longer than a normal game hangout time. Um, we are not going to have our worship tonight, but we'll pick that up next week, okay? Um, so we're going to jump into our Bible study tonight. So if you need a Bible, go ahead and raise your hand. One of our leaders will be sure to get one to you. So if you need a Bible to use tonight, raise your hand. Hopefully you wore deodorant. Here's hoping. We should do that as a giveaway. Old Spice, All Spice. All right, see, we got one more over here. Okay. All right, everyone's got your Bible. Okay. All right, so um, real quick, before we dive into our Bible study tonight, um, I want to take another minute and pray specifically for uh, another student um, maybe uh, a lot of you know uh, Addie Caustic. Um, she today had pretty extensive knee surgery, um, and so she's not able to be here with us tonight and maybe for the next week or two. Um, so it was pretty extensive, and so um, I told her and her family that we would take a minute and pray for her to uh, have some healing and um, just for her to be able to get better soon so she can join us back here uh, at TNT. So before we dive in, uh, can you just join me for a moment? Let's pray for Addie and for her recovery, uh, again, with this pretty, pretty extensive knee surgery. So uh, Jesus, I just want to lift up Addie to you. I pray that you would just give her relief from some of the pain and discomfort she's feeling even right now. Thank you that the surgery went well and went smooth. I pray that you would just encourage her, help her to have a quick recovery, and pray that even tonight she would get a good night's sleep. And so, God, we thank you uh, just for a good day, and thank you for everything going well uh, with her surgery. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. All right, so tonight we are continuing our semester-long series called Disciple Shift, learning what it means to follow Jesus and how to help others follow Jesus, to make disciples, okay? And so let's take a moment here. What are some things that we talked about last week, okay? Let's try to Think back, you know, really cringe your eyes and think about, okay, what did we talk about last week? What are some of the things that we looked at? Anybody remember? Even the passage, things we looked at, even so far this semester, what have we talked about in the few, first few weeks, TNT? Yeah. Yeah, disciple. Give it up for Althea, everybody. Wow. Way to get the ball rolling, though. I like it. All right, good. Does somebody, Violet, do you have your hand up? Yes, how to disciple. Man, you guys are crushing it right now. Love it. Good. All right, what else? What are some other things? Yeah. Yes, right? A couple weeks ago, we talked about how our mission is to make disciples. And it's not just our mission as in we came up with it. It's the mission that Jesus Christ gave us to go and make disciples. Awesome. Good. Any, anything else? What we talked about, Ben? Yeah, yeah. So was it last week? Yeah, we looked at when Jesus was walking along the shore and he called out to Peter and Andrew and said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And he kind of broke down that verse a little bit and what it means to follow Jesus. And so a disciple defined, again, is someone who follows Jesus with their head, their heart, and their hands. Okay, that's what we talked about a little bit last week. Anything else that maybe has come to mind just so we have a, a 
baseline here? Anybody else? Okay. Oh, look at that. Wow. I was like, man, she's just going for it. How does she know that? Wow. That was impressive. You even knew. So, yes, here's some review, okay? So we looked at the question, what is a disciple? We looked at that verse. Again, we just defined a disciple. And then a disciple described is someone who is committed to following Jesus, being changed by Jesus, and fulfilling the mission of Jesus, okay? And so again, this semester we talked about how we have a mission to go and make disciples. We talked about how Jesus defines what a disciple is. And so the next question that we have to address and talk about is what is the ultimate goal of discipleship? What is the ultimate goal or purpose? And so before we look at that tonight, I want to hear maybe what some of your thoughts are. From, from your thoughts, what you've read in the Bible, or maybe not, just in general, what do you think the goal of discipleship is? Okay, what do you think the goal of discipleship is? Following Jesus, anything related to that? All right, let's let's kind of get the conversation going here. What is the goal of discipleship? What's the purpose of all this? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Staying faithful to following Jesus. Good. Good. Yeah. What else? What does it look like? Yeah. Yeah, helping others start a relationship with Jesus. Nice, good. Other other thoughts? What is the goal of discipleship? Daniel? Say it one more time. Okay, yeah. Finishing the mission, fulfilling the mission, everything missional-minded. Yeah, good. Anything else? What is the goal of discipleship? What is the point of all of this? Yeah. Yeah, to glorify God, right? To make God known. Good. Anything else? Any other last thoughts? Those are good. Yeah, what? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Furthering God's kingdom, right? Sharing the hope, the good news of Jesus. Okay. All right, well, tonight we are going to look at two passages that will help us understand more clearly what the goal of discipleship is. Because if we're talking about how we need to make disciples and what a disciple is, okay, well, what's then the end goal? Is there a finish line, so to speak, in mind for this? Okay, so the first passage that we are going to look at is Colossians chapter 1. Okay, so if you have your Bible, go ahead and open it up. Uh, turn to the right towards the second half of your Bible and find the book of Colossians. You might remember Colossians because we did a whole semester on that. What was it last fall? Uh, so if you've never opened a Bible before, in the front pages, there should be a table of contents that you can find. All right, so you find Ephesians, Philippians, and then Colossians. Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. I'll give you a minute to find that. If you need any help finding that, it's okay. Just ask a friend, ask a neighbor. All right. We're going to look at these couple verses here. Okay. 
All right, does anybody feel just empowered to read this for us? Nice and loud. Anybody want to read this for us? All right, Hannah, go for it. Nice and loud with your mattress spring voice, okay? It's an inside joke, okay? Never mind. Uh, verses 24 through 29, please. Thanks, Hannah. All right, so uh, some of you might remember this book because we looked at it for an entire semester. Does anybody remember uh, who wrote this book specifically? All right, the Apostle Ben? Paul. Everyone say Paul. Okay, all right, so Paul wrote this letter that is Colossians. Okay, what do you know about Paul? Does anyone have any thoughts that come to mind, maybe things that we've talked about? Bronwyn? Yes, Paul's an apostle from God. Join quiz team. There's your commercial. All right? Very good. All right, what else? Yeah, Jason? Yeah, so his story is wild. I think it's Acts chapter 9. You go back and read through it. So his name was Saul. He was walking on the road to Damascus. He had an encounter with Jesus. He lost his sight. Bing, bang, boom. A lot of things happened. And then he ends up placing his faith in Jesus. Great story. Uh, I would encourage you to read and check that out. Okay? All right. What else? What do you know about Paul? Anyone have any other thoughts, things that they know, have heard? Anything else? Yeah, Brandon? Okay, yeah. He spoke a lot to the Gentiles. All right, very good. Well, let me just give you a little bit of a summary here of Paul. Okay, so Paul was an apostle. Okay, he was a leader in the church uh, to build up the early church. Uh, He was a member of this group called the Sanhedrin, which is basically like the Jewish, uh, like, uh, supreme council. Okay, so he was uh, really high up there. Um, he actually was one of the leaders who approved of the stoning of Stephen, one of the first martyrs for Jesus who gave their life up for the gospel. And this is earlier on in his life. Paul was really skilled at knowing the Jewish law. He was very smart. And so early on in his time, he was actually very adamant about squashing this movement to follow Jesus. And so when these Christians started popping up everywhere following Jesus, Saul, at this point, that was his name, Saul, he did everything he could to try to squash this movement to follow Jesus. But God got a hold of his life, and he ended up placing his faith in Jesus. And so the very movement that he was trying to extinguish, he ended up joining. Pretty amazing story. And then God used him to become one of 
the early church leaders to build up the early church. And then so Paul then was sent out on missionary journeys to go share the gospel, start churches, and help them stay faithful to following God. And so as he would travel, he would write different letters to these churches to lead them to God's truth, to help them stay on the right track, to keep them accountable, all of these things. Okay. And so these were a lot of the reasons why Paul went into ministry. And verse 25 gives us a little bit of an insight into why he became a minister. Verse 25, again, you can look at it, says this, I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known. And so he was propelled or sent into ministry to help others learn about Jesus because he wanted to make God known. He wanted to follow after Jesus and make sure everyone knew about that, okay? And so the end of this verse actually lays out what one of his ultimate goals was, to present everyone mature in Christ, okay? At the very end, it says to present them mature in Christ. And so some of you, uh, in verse 28 here, you might have the word perfect or complete, to present them complete, to present them perfect before Christ. Okay, so that was Paul's goal, to present people mature before Jesus. Again, you might have perfect or complete. But let me pause here for a second. From what you know of the Bible... Is Paul suggesting that we are supposed to be perfect? What do you think? If it says to present people complete or perfect before Jesus, is he really suggesting that we need to be perfect people and have it all together? What do you think? Is that what he's suggesting? What do you say, Violet? No, okay. Why? Why is this not something that he's suggesting? Violet? Right, we can't be perfect because each and every one of us have made mistakes, you know, including myself. We all sin and fall short of the glory of God. And if I ever meet somebody who said that they were perfect and have it all together, then they would be a liar because none of us are perfect. We all have made mistakes. But I think depending on what version you have in front of you, I think the word mature is a really good translation because I think that gives us a really good understanding of what Paul's hope and goal is. Okay, so now, what does the word mature mean? Some of you maybe have never heard of this word before, um, but if you have, what does the word mature mean? What does it mean? What do, you, what do you think? What does this word mature mean? What is that? It sounded like somebody like burped or something. I was like, am I hearing voices too or not? <laughs> okay, I'm glad I'm not that crazy. All right. So what does this word mature mean? If you hear it in a conversation, if you use it in a sentence, what does it mean? Jocelyn? All right, someone who's learning from their mistakes. Good. Yeah, what else? What does mature mean? mean? What does this word mature means? Julio? Yeah, go for it. Um, Here we go. When you guys say you're living the way you're supposed to be, okay. um, that's like you want to grow up all the time, so you grow 
Right. So there's a sense of improvement, right? Somebody who's mature is probably going to be more trustworthy than someone who you might say is immature, right? Yeah, great example. Any other thoughts? Mature maturity? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, someone who's kind of been down the road a bit, developed, has some experience. Yeah, Daniel? Fully aware. Oh, I like that. Jason, you got something? Yeah, built up. Swole in Jesus? No. Althea? What's that? Wise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good. Yeah, great answers. Okay, this is really good. So this word mature here specifically in the book of Colossians, this word means full grown, lacking nothing, complete and best overall translation really is just full, to the full. In other words, to be mature here according to what Paul is saying is having full wisdom, integrity, and stature. So not perfection, not that you're perfect, but there's a sense of fullness, there's wisdom, there's stature of upstanding, integrity, this state of being that if you're mature, you have wisdom. You have something to offer. You've been through experiences. You've kind of been down the road. You've hit a lot of mile markers. And so again, maturity does not mean perfection, but it means full. And we're going to unpack what that means a little bit more. And hopefully you understand already the difference between being perfect but being mature. Because people who are mature still make mistakes, but they're farther along and have learned from many of those mistakes. And so after we place our faith in Jesus for the forgiveness of our sins, every follower of Jesus begins this process of maturing in Christ with the goal of pursuing spiritual maturity. And what does spiritual maturity mean? Being mature in Christ, being full in Christ, complete. Again, complete doesn't mean perfect. Complete means everything is coming together. There's wholeness happening. All right, so let me pause and let me ask you this, and hopefully this isn't like a, a trigger question here. How many of you are looking forward to one day graduating school? Anybody here looking forward to graduating? Okay, all right, good. Well, each and every one of you, if you're in school, which I think most of you are, uh, if you're in school, you are currently working towards a day where you will graduate, right? You're currently working, doing classes, hopefully, working on, you know, those math classes, science, all that other stuff that I don't know anything about anymore. And you're working towards a day where you will graduate and you'll get this piece of paper that says, I'm smart, okay? You're going to graduate and kind of move on. You'll be done with your schooling unless you go to college or anything else. But when you graduate, you'll be an adult. You're out in the world. Making my way downtown, stuck in debt. Okay, you're an adult working your way. I had that song stuck in my head earlier, and I had to find a way to get it in there just to get it out. So there it is. All right? So as you are currently in school, you're working towards graduation. Now, when you graduate, that doesn't mean you're perfect. You have it all figured out. But there's a sense of maturity. You're along in the journey, in the process, okay? So thinking back to last week, 
What does the word disciple mean? Let's, let's refresh that again. If we're called to make disciples, what does the word itself, disciple, mean? Think about school, graduation. Disciple means? Follower. Yeah, a follower. Good, great. Other examples? Yeah, student, okay? <laughs> Here, I am thinking you guys are really smart. And you are. No, I'm just kidding. To be a student of a teacher, okay? Well, if you're a student, guess what? That means you have a teacher. And you are learning from that teacher with the goal to grow up, to be mature, and to graduate, so to speak. And so hopefully you're following along in this process. Because Colossians 1.28, Paul says that his goal is to present followers of Jesus mature. He wants to present followers of Jesus mature in Christ. And so this word present here uh, is the same type of imagery that's used on a wedding day. You know how when you're at a wedding and typically the father walks the bride down the aisle and kind of presents them to the groom in the front? Well, this is the idea, is that Paul wants to present followers of Jesus mature in Christ. He wants to present mature believers. Paul wants to say, Jesus, here are followers of you who are seeking after you with their head, their heart, and their hands, their entire life. Okay. But he's not just seeking to make mature people. According to verse 28, so look in your Bibles, verse 28, who is Paul presenting these believers to? So as Paul is presenting these believers, followers of who is he presenting them ultimately to? And if you're looking for an answer to crush it out of the park, here's your chance. He's presenting them to... Uh, uh, close. I like, your, I like your thinking. He's presenting them to... Bronwyn? Christ. I even bolded it for you guys, just so you really knew what I was talking about. To present believers before Jesus. And so that is Paul's goal here, to present followers of Jesus, spiritually mature, in Christ. And so Paul here, as he writes this, his desire is to present to Jesus followers of him who are mature. Not just mature adults who can do adult things, but maturity in relation to Jesus. People who are following Jesus with their entire life, who know Jesus, who have a relationship with Jesus. That is Paul's goal, is to say, Jesus, here are followers of you who are mature. That's what Paul's goal here as he writes this. And thankfully, he even gives us some examples of how he seeks to accomplish that goal. And here are some of the things that he says in here. How does he try to accomplish this goal? Well, he makes the word of God fully known. He's teaching the Bible. That's why we take time to study the Bible, so you can see for yourself what God has said to share the hope of Christ, to glorify God in all things, to help followers of Jesus not fall to the lies, but rather follow God's wisdom, and then for people to share and show the power of God. And so right here is how Paul is seeking to accomplish this goal, to share the hope of Christ, to help people understand God's word, and as he does that, to glorify God, to make God known. To help people not buy into the lies, but to stay true to him. And then for God 
to change hearts and lives. And so look at verse 29 here a second. Look at the next verse. From what verse 29 says, was this mindset of Paul, was this more of a hobby? Or do you think this was his livelihood? And what I mean, like his whole life was focused on this. So look at verse 29. What about verse 29 tells us that was this maybe a hobby for Paul? He's like, yeah, I'm kind of bored. I'm just going to kind of, you know, do this on the side, you know, make some tents, but, you know, this is like my side gig. Or was it his mission, his livelihood? What do you, what do you see here? Yeah. Okay. Why? Why do you think that? Okay. Yeah. He wants to devote his life. Good. And anything else you guys see here in verse 29? Yeah. Yeah, he's labor and striving. Or you might see this word toil. In other words, Paul is laying down everything for this mission, this struggle. He is struggling to do this in the sense of he's putting his whole life into this mission. He's putting it all out on the court. For this I toil. This is what he's wrestling over. How can I help people follow Jesus? And so this is the goal of discipleship, at least the first piece of this is discipleship desires to see followers of Jesus become spiritually mature Christians, those who are deeply rooted in their faith and abiding in Christ. And so the goal of discipleship is for people not to stay seeds, but to grow into tall, strong trees. Because God does not want us to be stagnant. He wants us to grow in our faith. He wants us to grow to become more like Jesus. He wants to help us grow. And again, maturity doesn't mean perfection. It doesn't mean having tons of Bible verses memorized. Spiritual maturity doesn't mean just coming to TNT or church every week. It doesn't mean just doing good things. There's a lot more than what it means to this. Because spiritual maturity is not just about who you currently are or what you do. It's about who you are desiring to become. Spiritual maturity is not about just who you are right now, the things that you do in your life. It's about who you want to become. Who do you want to become like? Jesus or something or somebody else? Right? So that's the first verse. All right. Now turn a couple books to the, to the left, to the book of Romans. Okay, turn to Romans. We're going to look at one verse here. Romans chapter 8. And we're going to look at verse 29. All right, so turn a couple pages back to your left. Go past the Corinthians, and you'll see Romans. Look for the big number eight. All right, again, if you need help, don't be afraid to ask. It's all good. All right. All right, would someone be willing to read this verse for us. And I think I'll have it up on the screen as well if that's helpful. Would somebody be willing to read this for us? Bywin? All right, thanks. All right, good, thank you. So again, it says, For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. Okay, well, that's a really big spiritual word. What does this word conform mean? Any ideas? 
conform. Or maybe you've heard conformity. What, is, what does that mean? What does that entail? What does that look like? Yeah, Wiley? Okay. Yeah, to kind of fit to a mold or kind of reshape yourself somewhat into some degree. Yeah. Any, any other thoughts on that? What does the word conform mean? Someone says you need to conform to this. Any other thoughts? Yeah. Oh, go, go, go ahead. Okay, yeah. Obedience, yeah. You want to add to that? Yeah, to become like. Good. Any other thoughts? Yeah. Okay, to change from one to another. Good, good, good. So to conform means to form according to a pattern or a mold, just like Violet said, or to change something to make it like something else. There's the sense of changing to become something else. There's change that happens. And you might think, okay, well, this word conform, that sounds like a super spiritual word. I don't, I don't really do anything with that, or I don't know what that means. But we all experience conformity on a daily basis. And let's think about this for a second. If you're on a sports team, how many of you play sports? Anybody? Okay. All right. When you're at practice, does your coach say, you know what, just do whatever you want, and we'll figure it out. It'll be fine. I mean, maybe they say that. I don't know. But my guess is your coach is going to correct you so you know how to play, right? I like basketball, and if I'm shooting basketballs and I'm going the complete opposite direction, my coach is going to say, what are you doing? Go that way, right? He wants me to conform, to change, to do it the way it's intended to be, okay? All right? You know, at home, you probably have some rules that you need to follow, okay? Does anybody play an instrument here, playing the band? Any, any band people? Okay, all right, good, good. All right, if you play an instrument, is the band director like, you know what, just play whatever you want, and we'll just be a jazz band, okay? Yeah. yeah. But you have music that your director wants you to learn how to follow. If you play a note wrong, he wants you to change it, to conform to the way the music is intended to be written, okay? Same thing with theater. If you get a part in a play, and your you know, drama director says, you know what, just go on stage and just say whatever you want. You know what, that's fine. No, you have a script that you follow, right? Because he wants you to conform or to follow what is intended to be done, okay? Let me ask you this, and this might decide our friendship, I don't know. Do you like puzzles? Anybody like puzzles? Okay, Bronwyn loves puzzles, okay? Not gonna lie, puzzles are overrated. If there's more than five pieces, ain't for me, okay? But... When you do a puzzle, do you go, wow, here's this box with a picture. I'm just going to figure it out, right? I mean, that's part of the problem. But that, to me, that's already too much work. But the point of a puzzle is to make it look like the picture on the box. And if you're like me, after like 10 pieces, you're like, this will fit. I'll make it work, right? I'll, I'll make it conform. But that's the whole thing, right? Maybe Legos, you get those boxes with like the pre-made Legos and you try to build something on the box, right? So all of these are different examples of how we conform. We seek to become like what is asked of us, okay? And so when I was in high school, one of the classes that I took, and maybe, I don't know if Dallas has this or not, probably not, but one of the classes that I took was pottery, all right? Anybody ever take pottery before? Anything? Okay, a few people. Does Dallas have pottery? You used to? Okay, I don't know. All right. So in high school, I took pottery, okay? And maybe if you've ever, like, done anything with Play-Doh, you can think about that, okay? Well, in high school, when I had pottery, 
I was like, what am I supposed to do with this? This looks like a blob of wet dirt, okay? And so what I did was I wanted to make a mug. I wanted to make a coffee mug. That was my goal was to make this epic, beautiful coffee mug. And so I went online, and I found this picture of this, like, cool-looking coffee mug. And so I set out to make this mug. I had my piece of wet clay, and I had that, like, you know, that race car wheel thing, right? And I put it on there, and then the first time I did it, it went flying, and I was like, okay, whoa, 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 too much speed. All right, and so I had to kind of mess with it a little bit, right? But the goal of this wet clay was to become a mug. I didn't just leave the clay there and say, done, this is how it is. I'm going to drink coffee out of this in the morning. I don't think I'd get very far. But I had to take that clay and conform it to the shape of this mug. And so this is the picture that Paul is giving to us, is that we are to conform to the image of Jesus. And like pottery, we are the clay and he is the potter. And that's exactly what Isaiah says. But now, O Lord, you are the father, we are the clay. And you are the potter. We are all the work of your hand. And so God wants to take you like wet clay and mold and shape you to become more like Jesus. That's what he wants to do in your life. And so as we seek to become spiritually mature, we should desire to conform to the image of Christ. And conform not in a negative sense, like, oh, we're going to conform but to be changed into what Jesus desires for us because his plan and his purpose is better than anything we could ever imagine or ask for. And so followers of Jesus should desire to think, feel, and act like him. And that's why Paul says in Romans 12, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. And so Paul says, don't become like the world, why would you conform to what the world wants when Jesus and what he wants for you is way better than you could ever imagine? If you are like clay, don't mold yourself to look like the world because you are going to end up being broken and in pieces. But instead, become like Jesus. And you will be made new. And so deep down, each and every one of us, we want to become more like the people we love, right? Last week I talked about how I really wanted to be like Tracy McGrady and be this epic basketball star. Well, that, that flopped. But if you truly love Jesus, then you should desire to become like him. Because where you invest your love is where you invest your life. Where you invest your love, what or who you love, that's where your life is going to be. And so if you love Jesus, therefore, that's where you should invest your life. And you know what? Maybe you're thinking, okay, well, I feel a lot of pressure to be like the world. I feel a lot of pressure to just do whatever the culture says, to do whatever everyone wants me to be. But how do I not... How do I escape this pressure of the world? Well, Paul says here, be transformed to change. Because Jesus wants to change and transform your life. Listen to what 1 John 2 says. Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. 
Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. And so what John is saying here is, if you love God, then you should want to be like him, to learn from him, to deepen your relationship with him. God wants a relationship with you. And so if you have ever placed your faith in Jesus, God's desire is to mold and transform your life to become more like him. And that's the goal of discipleship. And here it is. The goal of discipleship is spiritual maturity and Christ-likeness. The goal of discipleship is to be spiritually mature and Christ-like. And now, this isn't like an end-all, be-all answer, but I think this is a really great place to start. And so if you are a follower of Jesus, if you are a disciple, someone who desires to follow Jesus again with your head, your heart, and your hands— then your goal should be to pursue spiritual maturity, to act like Jesus. If you follow Jesus, then seek to act like him, spiritual maturity. And then to become like Jesus, to be Christ-like, to resemble Christ. And so if you want to be a disciple, then the goal of discipleship is to be spiritually mature, to act like Jesus, and then to be Christ-like, to actually become, to resemble like Jesus. So God wants us to be like him in how we live and how we act. And so the question I want to leave you with here now before we go to small groups is this. Do you want that? Do you want to pursue spiritual maturity and Christ-likeness? Again, God's not saying, you know what, you need to be perfect and have your life together. Because that's exactly why Jesus died for us is because we don't have our lives put together. But he wants to make us whole. And so if you love Jesus, then you should desire to become like him. So let's pray. Jesus, thank you for this time in your word. Help us to become more like you. Help us to run after you. Help us to pursue spiritual maturity and to become like Christ in everything that we say and everything that we do. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. And so um, in a moment here, we're going to dismiss the small groups, okay? Just as a reminder, uh, because we spent the first part of the night uh, doing the trash pickup outside, we're going to end the night in small groups, okay? So just so you're aware of that. And then next week, we'll get back into our normal schedule and have plenty of time to hang out and all that. So we'll finish tonight in small groups. And after small groups, then you guys can come down to this door.